The Holy Spirit is our source of divine supernatural power. If you don't relate properly to the Holy Spirit, you are powerless. You can't live for God effectively, and you can't affect the world around you. You will not change the world without the power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus was very clear on this in Acts 1. He said, he said, you know, he told them to tarry in Jerusalem until they be endued with power from on high. Mm -hmm. Didn't he tell them that? Why were they supposed to stay in Jerusalem? Wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit so that you would be endued or clothed upon with power from on high. And, and so he told them, don't go out into the world. Don't leave home without him. And, and, uh, and his, his last words to them as he's ascending into heaven was, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. So, Terry, wait for the power to come. And we know what happened. You know, for ten, ten days, they fasted and prayed uh, and uh, uh, hung out together in the upper room. 500 of them to begin with. 500 there on the Mount of Ascension. Ten days later is 120. Ten days later, 120. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, the power came upon the church. And uh, Acts 1.8, he says, You shall receive power. That word power there is dunamis. Dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamo or dynamite. Except dunamis is a is a, a power that replicates itself. It doesn't have to have an outside source. It's God. God's power. Dunamis is an explosive, uh, erupting power from, from God dwelling on the inside of us. Jesus said, when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you will receive power. The supernatural power of God. All right? So he said, wait for it. Amen. Now look in Acts chapter 2. And this is real familiar to us uh, Pentecostals. And you may wonder, why Why are we going over this again? Because we've got people in our own ranks that are powerless. So we need to talk about the power. Amen? We need to talk about the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And I want you to underline those three words. Rushing mighty wind. Because I'm going to debunk a lie that's been sold to people about the Holy Spirit. Everybody say it with me. Rushing, rushing mighty, mighty wind. wind. Alright. Now, is there anything weak and timid about those three words. No. Now, when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, He came with a loud noise. Okay? Everybody say loud noise. Rushing mighty wind. Well, then, it says it filled all the house where they were sitting. And verse 3, there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. Everybody say fire. fire. Now, now say it Pentecostal-like. Fire! fire. Okay. Fire. fire! All right. Holy Ghost fire fell upon every one of them. There's nothing lukewarm or cold about the Holy Spirit. When He came on the day of Pentecost, He came noisily, loudly, and with fire. And He sat upon each of them. They, got the, they caught the fire. Amen. John the Baptist told this about Jesus. He said, you know, there comes one who I am not worthy to even tie his shoes. He, I baptize you with water, but He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. 
the Holy Spirit is the one who adds the fire to us. And if we're cold and lukewarm and, and uh, uh, lost in some stupor, it's because our fire's gone out. We need more fire. We need a fresh baptism. We need the Holy Ghost to add fire to our life. And it's going to require that fire for us to face what we're going to have to face. Because the way this world's going, the way this country's going, the way our own city's going, uh, they, they're going to be uh, coming for us. And they're not coming to uh, uh, celebrate us. They'd be, be coming to shut us down. What you going to do when they come for you? Amen. What you going to do? Well, I'm going to I'm going to have I'm going to be full of fire. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to be full of fire. David Wilkerson, when he was witnessing to Nikki Cruz, the gang leader of the. Uh, uh, Mau Mau gang there in New York City. Uh, he was, uh, uh, David Wilkerson was a skinny little preacher shaking in his boots. And uh, Nicky Cruz was a murderer, a killer. And he had a switchblade. And he said, to, he said to David Wilkerson, you know, why do I want your God? Why do I want your Jesus he said, when I want, when I want to feel something, he said, I can feel drugs. I can feel alcohol. I can feel sex. But I can't feel God. And David Wilkerson says, you, you want to feel God? <laughs> and he said, yeah. And he said, okay, Lord. And David Wilkerson stepped back a couple feet, put his hands out and said, hit him, Lord. And he flew backwards about ten feet to the ground. The power of God hit him and knocked him on his backside. He felt God. Well, he didn't get saved right then. He jumped up and ran off. <laughs> but he felt something. He felt something. I remember when the Attorney General of the United States, uh, what was that lady's name? Janet Reno. Janet Reno. She attended a, a Holy Ghost meeting there in Washington, D.C. And... Uh, uh, they were uh, praying for people, and they invited her, gave her a seat right at the front, and there she was with you know with her bodyguards and everything, and uh, uh, you know they're just having church, and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost hit Janet Reno, and she went out in the floor, cold as a mackerel, and of course everybody's swarm around her, get her up, haul her off, take her to the doctor, see what's wrong with her. But she, she made the statement, I have never felt that much power in my life. People need to experience the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen? And we're supposed to be carriers of that power. We're, that, that power is supposed to be just, just pulsating through our being 24-7. And whenever people want to know, want to hear from God or feel God, all they got to do is look you up because you are supposed to be a representative witness of the power of God. Amen. Amen. And so, you know, they begin to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And it says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And... Uh, when this was all noised abroad, a multitude of people came together to see the show. You see, we've got to have something to show people. And I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about what am I showing people? What is Cornerstone, Cornerstone Church showing people? You see, when you, when you uh, are full of the Holy Ghost, things are going to happen around you. Amen? But you see, what's happened in many of our churches is we have, we have in our, our, our doctrine, our doctrinal statements, we have things like we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues. We believe in the manifestation of all the nine gifts of the Spirit. We believe in divine healing. We believe in these things. And yet, in practice, it, when we come together, there's a drought, there's a dearth, there's an absence. Yes. 
of what we say we believe. Amen. Now, I mean, that's true of this church. Amen. Once in a while, we'll have a prophecy. Once in a while, we'll have tongue and interpretation. But it's usually the same people every time. Once in a while, you know, we'll pray for somebody and they'll get healed. And, you know, but not to the degree that it should be if we are full of the power of the Holy Ghost. That's right. Amen. Amen. We are the first ones to get in the healing line every time. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed this, and I'm not going to look at anybody right now. But I, I, I'm not, but every time there's a healing line, when a guest speaker comes, it's the same five or six people that go up. And it's usually for the same thing they went up last time. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But we ought to be hauling people in here on stretchers and pushing them in here on wheelchairs. We ought to be dispensing healing instead of always walking up there to get it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I'm not trying to be... I know I'm preaching to the choir. You guys are you guys are wonderful. But those other people need to hear this. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh, mercy. So, <laughs> Jesus emphasized the important role that the Holy Spirit would play in our lives, didn't he? Jesus spent a lot of time preparing us for the Holy Spirit to come. John 14, 16 through 17, Jesus says this, I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter, that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, but you know Him, for He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. What would Jesus say about this Comforter? Well, He said, first of all, another just like Jesus. When he said another comforter, that word another means one uh, of the same class. Or one like unto the first one. Jesus was with them, but the Holy Spirit would be not only with them, but in them. Jesus said, it is expedient for you. In other words, it's better for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the, the Holy Ghost can't come. The comforter can't come. But when, the, when I go away, I will send forth the Comforter, and He will be with you. He will lead you in all truth. He'll teach you what's right and wrong. He'll, he'll reveal what's about to happen to you. He'll show you things to come. And, and He will empower you. He will empower you for overwhelming victory. Amen? And so the Holy Spirit is our source of power. He, he is our guiding light that lead us, leads us into truth. And uh, and so, you know, Jesus has said He's going to be just like me. He will abide with and in you forever. The same That's the same Spirit that is that was in Jesus. It's the same Spirit that is in God. It is the Spirit of God. Jesus said, when I go away, when I get to heaven, and I present my sacrifice before the altar of heaven, and the Father receives what I've done, as payment in full for your redemption, then I will send forth the Holy Spirit, the promise of God, and He will. He and He came. He one one of the thing about the, the day of Pentecost, it proved that His sacrifice was accepted in heaven. Because how did it come? It came in the form of fire. Fire. God always He always consumed the altar of sacrifice with fire. He is a God who answers by fire. And so what God answered on, on the day of Pentecost, He answered by fire. He, cons- he, he said the sacrifice was sufficient, and so here is the promise. The Holy Spirit came, not only to be with them, but to be in them. Alright? And, and, uh, and He's just like Jesus because He is God. Everybody say this, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. <laughs> Amen. That word comforter, is the word paraclete or paracletos. Para, paracletos. P-A-R-A-K-L-E-T-O-S. Here's what it means. Summoned or called to one's side. Called to one's aid. It is one who pleads another's cause 
with one or an intercessor as Christ in his exaltation at God's right hand, pleading with God the Father for the pardon of our sins. So Jesus is our paraclete. He's called along the side of the Father in heaven to intercede on our behalf. Okay? And he sent forth the Holy Spirit, and in the, in the, the Holy Spirit is destined, it says, to take the place of Christ with the apostles after his ascension to the Father, to lead them to a deeper knowledge of the gospel truth and give them divine strength needed to enable them to undergo trials and persecutions on behalf of the divine kingdom. You see, uh, our generation, the generation before us, you know, knew, knew very little about trials and persecutions for the gospel's sake. Yeah. Unless we, you know, sent somebody off to the mission field and they died on the mission field, you know, they... they uh, uh, but that was the exception. Most of the people living in this country have lived in, in the last 50 years relative peace. Even during wars, it was just a small percentage of us that had to go off to fight a war in some far distant country. But here in the United States, we've enjoyed this bubble, this, in, this, this bubble of peace. Well, that bubble is bursting. And the persecution that the missionaries experienced when they went over to Africa is coming home to us. And we need strength. We need courage. We need fire. We need power to withstand in the evil day. And, uh, you know, I don't think we have the foggiest idea how bad it can get. And I, because we've been so um, <laughs> spoiled, that's a good word for it. But we need the we need the Holy Spirit for the same reason the early church needed the Holy Spirit. Same reason, not to give us goosebumps, not to uh, to have uh, superiority over people who don't speak in tongues, uh, not to build a, a a ministry based upon a gift of the Spirit, you know, and all that, and make lots of money writing books about it and stuff. No, we need the power of the Holy Ghost just to fulfill our mission before we are taken out and go to heaven. Amen. These are the last days. Yes, they are. These are the last days. The world is convulsing in, in end-time manifestations of, of uh, you know, the whole world groaneth. And, and waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. Right. The sons of God will not manifest without the Holy Ghost. Thank you. I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm sorry to break this news to all of our non-spirit-filled brethren in the in the body of Christ. But but God's sons are going to be fired up and powered up by the Holy Ghost. Amen. And when the sons of God are manifest, which I believe is going to be in our time. And I believe it's already happening that God's God's true sons and daughters are going to step forward, but they're not going to step forward, you know, for to play church. We're stepping forward to you know shake things up. A whole lot of shaking going on. Amen. And uh, and they, this is the season for shaking. So if you can be shaken, you will be shaken. Uh, turn to John sixteen. And uh, I, did I read all that to you, 13 through 15? Uh, Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak. What's it? He's not a gossip. What's Jesus talking about here? Jesus is, is telling us the Holy Spirit is on the inner circle. The Holy Spirit is in the inner circle. The Holy Spirit is God. And whatever the Father says, He hears it. Whatever Jesus says, He hears it. When the council of heaven is taking place, He's there. There's three chairs at the table. And He's not the third member of the, of the Godhead. There is no third, first, or second. They are equal. That's right. The Bible says Jesus did not count it robbery to be counted equal with God. So Jesus is not number two. 
He's equal. Now we, you know, it's it's easy to easier to talk to him, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost is not the last one, the third one, or the the uh, odd one. Amen. You, you know, you there is one God. There is an absolute, complete unity. Uh, to 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 such a degree that you cannot separate the three. Mm-hmm. We know the Father has uh, the Father has this distinct function. The Son has His distinct function. The Holy Spirit has His distinct function. And yet, you try to separate the three, you can't do it. They are so one together. They are so in tune together. They are so in in agreement together that that you know you talk to one of them, you're talking to all of them because they they never they never divide or separate. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Father. He is the Spirit of Jesus. And He is He is the, the Spirit of God. So He knows everything. The Holy Spirit knows what's going on in the heart and mind of the supreme authorities in heaven. And He lives in you. And what did Jesus say? Well, let's see what Jesus said. Jesus said, He shall hear... And what he hears, that shall he speak. Who's he going to speak it to? You. You. You who? You, you. (laughs) Amen. All things. He shall glorify me. Wait a minute. He He shall show you things to come. He shall show you things to come. This is not end time Bible prophecy we're talking about here. He shall show you things to come regarding you. He will reveal to you what's ahead. He will, he will reveal to you the traps, the snares, and the devices of Satan so that you can truthfully, uh, uh fear no evil and not fall into evil. Amen. You remember the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from evil? What is he talking about there? Steer us around it. Steer us clear of evil, the evil plans of the enemy. God will show you what's about to happen so you can be saved from it. All right? The Holy Spirit knows ahead of time because he's God. He knows the end from the beginning. He is God. And he will reveal to you what's about to happen so that you can be prepared for it. Heather was telling us the other day about a dream she had. Or, or, no, she got up in the middle of the night. She was awakened and got up in the middle of the night and just started studying this, uh, some scriptures. She started reading her Bible and, uh, on a particular subject. And then later that day, she, uh, uh, was, uh, waiting at the airport to pick someone up and their plane was delayed. So she was sat down next to a, uh, an Arab dude. Thank you, Lord. A Muslim. And uh, after a little bit, you know, she went to get a cup of coffee, and they were giving away coffee. And so she got one for this Arab dude. So she comes back over there, and she gave him a cup of coffee, and that started a conversation. And the conversation went line upon line, exactly down the line of what she got up in the middle of the night and was studying in her Bible. And she had all the He was asking particular questions, very insightful questions, and she had all the answers and the scriptures for it because she was up at three o'clock in the morning reading and studying it, and she was preparing for that guy. Not knowing she was preparing for that guy, but the Holy Ghost in her knew. That's what we mean by showing you things to come. Not preparing it, not, not to make you some kind of a psychic, but to make you ready and, and able and empowered to do the work of the ministry that God is going to have you do. Yes. Amen. We're not, we're not powerless. We got the power with us. Praise Amen. God. Hallelujah. So, He said, He'll show you things of God. He shall glorify me. Man, if you don't love Jesus, you don't have the Holy Ghost. If you are not just absolutely impressed and over enamored with Jesus Christ, you don't have the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost will do that to you. The Holy Ghost will so glorify Jesus in your mind and in your heart that you will love Him and die for Him. Yeah. And so people who don't love Jesus don't want to talk about Jesus. I know they don't have the Holy Ghost. You know. I, I know people, I know so-called Christians, they'll talk about anything but Jesus. 
And they'll talk about politics, sports, uh, what's on sale at Target. I mean, they'll talk about anything. But you start talking about Jesus, whoo, look at the time. Man, i got to go. That tells me they don't have the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost glorifies Jesus to you. The Holy Ghost makes you fall in love with Jesus. The Holy Ghost is all about getting you to follow Jesus. Amen? <laughs> it's good preaching even if I do say so myself. And he says, All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore said I, that He, the Holy Spirit, shall take of mine and show it to you. Now, what's that all about? Everything that belongs to the Father, Jesus says, is mine. And the Holy Spirit will take what's mine and reveal it to you. Why? Because it's yours too. Remember, we're heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. So the Holy Spirit, one of the, one of the jobs, one of the functions of the Holy Spirit is to reveal to you what you got from God. Amen. You know what that'll do to you? It'll kill any lust or covetousness for other things. Because you're going to be so so impressed with your wealth that you're not going to feel a need for anything earthly. That flies in the face with every, you know with our natural mind. Because everybody's always thinking, well, you know, I can always get a bigger TV screen. I can always get a newer car. I can always do this. Yeah. Okay, if you won the lottery... You'd go out. You'd go out and spend maybe a hundred thousand dollars on a mad fling, and you'd have everything you possibly want. What are you going to do with the rest of the money? Exactly. You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, hey, I got news for you. The Holy Ghost will teach you that you've already won the lottery. You are a son of God. You're an heir of God. You've already owned the universe. <laughs> there are planets out there that are just solid jewels. It's got your name on it. Amen. So don't worry about this present time. It's just, this is just a passage. We're just passing through to get to our true eternal life. Amen? And so people put a whole lot uh, too much stock in this time. So, he, he goes on in Acts 6. I want you to look at Acts 6, verse 8, and I want you to look up Galatians 3. Verse 5. In Acts 6, verse 8, it makes a statement about Stephen. It says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Now, what did Stephen do? He did great miracles and wonders among the people. How did he do it? He was full of faith and power. That word power is dunamis. Where did he get the power? From the Holy Ghost. You see that? And you'll see that all through the book of Acts. The book of Acts is about, it's not about the acts of the apostles, it's about the acts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit working in Stephen, Philip, Peter, James and John, Paul did many signs and wonders, not because these men were powerful, but because the Holy Spirit was in them. Peter said it himself at the, at the gate to the temple. Silver and gold have I none, but that which I have I give unto thee. What did he have? He had Holy Ghost power. Holy Ghost power. And without the power, you have no credentials. Matter of fact, the Bible says that Jesus was accredited among men by the deeds which he did. You see, our 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 deeds, our our actions that are that are the result of the power of God working through us is where we get our credentials. The Holy Ghost power is how I have credentials. Now I've got if you go into my office here. I've got on the wall above the desk there, I've got all my diplomas. Well, I don't have my high school diploma. But I've got, I've got uh, 
bachelor's degree, master's degree, doctor of theology degree. I've got two bachelor's degrees, one from West Texas State University and one from West Texas A&M University. Same school. When they changed their name, I wrote them back and I said, you need to send me a, 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 new, a new diploma because I've got a diploma from a school that doesn't exist anymore. I need, I need a diploma from the, the new, with a new name on it. So they sent, me, they sent me a new diploma. I put them both on the wall. <laughs> now, I tell people that. I'm not lying. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to deceive anybody. But those are credentials. And then I've got, then I've got the, uh, uh, my ordination certificate from Cornerstone Church and an ordination certificate from Victory Church in Amarillo, Texas, and a ordination certificate from uh, Christian Life Center in Broken Bow, Nebraska. And then I've got an ordination certificate from Kingsway Fellowship International. Those are my credentials. They're worth nothing. Absolutely nothing. If I can't produce the power. Doesn't matter what schools we went to, how much education we have, if we are not, if we are not uh, like Stephen, full of faith and power, doing great wonders and miracles among the people. Amen. Galatians 3.5 says, He therefore that ministers to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. And he's talking about the, the, the preachers that were working among them. He, he, therefore, that ministers to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you. There, listen, there, are, there needs to be people in our midst that are working and operating by the power of the Spirit of God and, 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 and a source of miracles. Amen. Amen. I want, to be, I want to be one of those people that is ministering among the people in the power of the Holy Spirit and working miracles by, the, by, the, by faith. It's all by faith. Okay? So, now, what, what do you think would happen if all of us right here, just us, we're not going to talk about anybody outside of this group, if all of us began actively moving in the power of the Holy Spirit and working signs and wonders and miracles among the people? What do you think would happen to Cornerstone Church? I mean, look what happened to Jesus. They followed him around. Multitudes followed him to the point that he couldn't even go into town anymore. He had to meet out in the open country. Of course, the moment he put some pressure on them, they all left him. But, you know, that, that happens. Uh, Hebrews 2, Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. See, I think we've let... We've let our experience with the Holy Spirit slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and divers' miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to His own will. You see, God will bear witness to what we preach by the manifested presence of the Holy Spirit doing signs and wonders and miracles. I do not subscribe to this idea that that age, that day is past. No. 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 Well, these, these verses I just read tell you that we have access to the miracle power of God. We have access to the miracle power of God. If I was in that black church down the street, they'd be shouting and swinging from the chandeliers right now. The organ would be all going crazy, everybody be out in the aisles dancing and shouting and carrying on. Maybe we'll just go down there. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go get them excited. See, this kind of preaching should excite you. Because the Holy Spirit is the great exciter. Amen. And we have access to Him. Well, what happens? 
what has happened in what has happened in the church? Well, First uh, Thessalonians five nineteen says it's a short verse, four words: quench not the spirit. Some folks are so educationally challenged that they read that quench the spirit. <laughs> they don't read quench not. The Spirit. What does it mean to quench? And this is what's happened in modern Christianity. This word quench, uh, I looked it up in uh, a different translation, maybe the Amplified, probably. Do not quench means to suppress or subdue. Do not suppress or subdue the Holy Spirit. Do not spurn the gifts and utterances of the prophets. Do not depreciate prophetic revelations nor despise inspired instruction or exhortation or warning. He said do not despise prophetic teaching, exhortation, and warnings. But test and prove all things until you can recognize what is good and to that, hold fast. Well, how, how do they quench the Spirit? Well, 2 Timothy 3.5 says they have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Having the form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. You see, there are, there are churches, preachers, church leaders and elders, who quench the Spirit by saying, we don't want any of that here. We are a salvation message church. We preach Jesus. We avoid all the controversy that the Holy Spirit would bring up. We do not want to divide the people by having strange things happen that we can't explain. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We, we honor the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, we have a special place of honor for Him right here at the front of the church. But if you look at Him, there's duct tape on His mouth. Yes, Holy Spirit, You are welcome in this place. But just don't say anything. Because the, the Holy Spirit speaks in tongues. The Holy Spirit prophesies. The Holy Spirit exhorts, warns, corrects. And we can't have that because we can't control Him. We're not going to have anything happening in our meetings that we cannot control. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is ruled out. Because you can't, they, they know you can't control the Holy Spirit. They know if you allow the Holy Spirit to manifest, you will lose control of the service. And they don't want to lose control. They don't want to offend anybody. We've had, peop we've had people come in, visit our church, and never come back. Because, because they saw, heard, or experienced something that was beyond their ability to come understand and control. And it freaked them out. So they go to a church where nothing ever happens. And they can predict every little thing that's going to happen down to the second that it's going to happen. And they know exactly how much time to put on their, uh, their oven at home because they know when they're going to be walking through the door. If they go to some uh, uh, Holy Ghost controlled church, their roast may burn. Amen. But we Pentecostals, we learned a long time ago that we don't cook that way. We go out to eat after church on Sunday because we learn not to leave anything at home cooking. Amen. Because the Holy Ghost loves to spoil your lunch. Amen. So, the, now here's the lie. Well, actually, there's, there's, uh, there's a couple of lies here. First of all, the lie of the gifts of the Spirit are passed away. 
Now, I know that you know better than that. But there are a people that love to draw near to God with their lips. But their hearts are far away from Him. They were there in Jesus' time. Matthew, I think it's in Matthew... Uh, let's see, where is it? Matthew 15, 8 and 9. This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And one of those doctrines is the gifts of the Spirit are passed away. God doesn't do that anymore. And they go to 1 Corinthians 13 of all chapters, the love chapter. The love chapter. And they try to prove through 1 Corinthians 13 that since we got the Bible, that which is perfect has come, then that which is imperfect has passed away. We don't need tongues. We don't need prophecies. We don't need miracles and healings anymore because we have a Bible. Well, the only problem with that is the Bible preaches that we have a God who heals, delivers, and sets the captives free, and we're under commandment of, of, uh, of Jesus to go and do the same. Amen? Amen? And uh, there, is no, there is no period at the end of the book of Acts. Thank you. So this is ongoing. Amen? 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 But they suppress and quench the Holy Spirit by saying He doesn't do that anymore. We who are smart, we who are intellectual, we who get it know that the Holy Spirit doesn't do that anymore. In the meantime, we're over here and the Holy Spirit's doing it. It's hard to argue against an experience, isn't it? How many have ever experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? How many have ever been healed? By the power of God. I'm not talking about healed by your body, just healing itself, but supernaturally healed by the power of God. How many of you have ever seen a miracle? I grew up on them. I mean, you know, man, by the time I was 10 years old, I'd seen enough miracles to know those people were wrong. Because I grew up in a church where the Holy Spirit was honored and followed. But nowadays, in most churches, He's dishonored and, and uh, shunned. They don't even talk about it. They don't talk about it. You, you go to uh, you know, some of these uh, uh, seeker-friendly churches. You go to some of these you know, cookie, cookies and milk churches and you won't, hear, you won't hear the word Holy Spirit unless it's in a song. You won't hear about tongues unless they're putting it down. And there is no provision given for people to get healed. They don't even have altars anymore. Now, and, by, and, and we have an altar. This altar, this carpet up here is our altar. Our altar space. And the reason we have all this room up here is not so I can just walk around and roam around. The reason we have all this room up here is so we can call people down here and pray for them, for God to heal them, deliver them, and whatever it is they need to be administered to. And we give people opportunity to receive prayer. And not just in church, we go, we go to them and pray for them out wherever they are. Hospitals, wherever they might be. We go where they are and we pray for them and we believe God. We don't ask God, Lord, if it be Thy will, heal them. We're convinced that we know what God's will is. We, 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 we don't even ask God to heal them. We tell them to get healed. We speak to the disease. We drive the disease out. You see, I followed Jesus around long enough to know He never prayed for the sick. He just healed them. <laughs> Who's He going to pray to? You know? He's God. He's God on the scene. Well, guess what? Because you're full of the Holy Ghost, you are God on the scene. You are God on the scene. And so we don't ask God in heaven to heal them. He's already done His job. Jesus has already done His part. The Holy Ghost in you will help us, help you to do your part. So we don't, we don't go asking for people to be healed by God. We go telling them and announcing to them that they are healed. And to receive it. You see the difference? And people think, well, that's cocky. You know, that's, no, no, that's confidence. There's a difference. 
So, the Holy Spirit, here's the next lie. Hold on to your seats. One of the biggest lies that we have swallowed. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. That's a lie. The Holy Spirit's not going to interrupt our service because He's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is not going to make you do anything you don't want to do. He's a gentleman. How many of you have ever heard that? How many of you have ever said it? I've said it. Well, first of all, gentleman, the Holy Spirit's not a man. He is not a man that he should lie, neither is he the son of man that he should repent. He's not a man. The Holy Spirit is not a man. Never has been a man. Jesus was a man, but the Holy Spirit is not a man. So he can't be a gentle man. All right? Why do people say that? They say that because they want to suppress him. They want to hold him back. They want to deny him the freedom to do big things. They want him to be the little dove that will, if you just, if you just move wrong, the little dove will fly away. The Holy Spirit is so timid and he's so finicky and he's so shy that if you look at him too hard, he'll fly away. That's not our Holy Ghost. Our Holy Ghost is the one who came with the sound of a rushing mighty wind and who came and put everybody, set everybody on fire. That's not, a, that's not a gentleman. He set them all on fire, Sandy. He set them on fire. That's not a gentleman. You understand what I'm saying? Ruth is looking at me kind of funny. It's because we're so religious. We've heard that all of our lives. And it's a lie. The Holy Spirit is power. He is the power of God. He is the one who divided the waters of the Red Sea. He's the one who stacked up the Jordan River so that Joshua could come marching across with three million people. He's the one who knocked down the walls of Jericho. That's no gentleman. That's a God. And a God does what a God wants to do and nobody's going to tell him he can't do it. Now I know that I know that you know there is this thing about man's free will and all that kind of garbage, but we make too much out of that. I think we need to start going around imposing God's will on people. <laughs> Forget about being. See, the problem with the church is we've been too gentlemanly. That's right. And the world sees it as weakness and they run over us. We need to be more like David in the face of Goliath. David was no gentleman. He put a stone in Goliath's forehead with the help of the Holy Ghost. He ripped the giant's jaws, uh, lion's jaws apart. David did. Little David, the shepherd boy, destroyed a lion and a wolf and a bear. Probably stepped on a few snakes and popped their heads off. He was good with that little slingshot. And when he heard that Goliath was challenging the armies of Israel, he said, is there not a cause? Didn't sound like some little weak-kneed little Christian sissy boy. And we need to stop being Christian sissy boys. Start standing up and, def and, and, and defying the Goliaths of our day. Because the power of God is in us to make us overwhelmingly victorious. The Holy Ghost in your life is power, not weakness. Not weakness, but power. You remember the book of Acts chapter 5? Uh, I'm not going to read it because I'm out of time, but verses 1 through 11, the story of Ananias and Sapphira. You remember that? Now here's, this, here's our gentleman Holy Spirit. Ananias and Sapphira sold a piece of property. And they were going to give the money to the church because everybody was selling their property and bringing the money and laying it at the apostles' feet so that the needs of the, uh, of, of the poor could be met. And so they, th these people were heroes. 
and and they were they were applauded and they were they were highly esteemed and respected. So Ananias and Sapphira they wanted this admiration of the people and they wanted to be highly respected, but they wanted some of the money too. And so they they said, well, here's what we're going to do: we're going to sell the property for a hundred thousand dollars, and uh, we're going to give them twenty five thousand, and we're going to but we're going to pretend like we're giving it all. In other words, we're going to lie. We're we're going to pretend and deceive. And so, but they didn't go to church together. And Ananias comes first, and he comes and he brings his offering down there, and he pretends like it's all, I sold this property, here's the money. And Peter looks at him and says, Ananias, why has the devil filled your heart? So much so that you would lie to the Holy Spirit. Ananias, you have lied to the Holy Spirit. And Ananias died right there on the spot. Peter didn't touch him. So who killed him? The Holy Ghost, the gentleman, killed him dead. Squished him like a bug right there. Killed him right there. So, the youth of the church, this is youth ministry. The youth of the church carried him out and buried him. No funeral. No eulogies. They didn't even notify his wife. Well, a little bit later, here she comes. Oh, Sapphira. Hi. Hi, Peter. Well, is it true that you sold this piece of property and you you and your husband brought all this money to the lay, lay down here at our feet? She said, that's true. He said, how is it that the two of you have conspired? It's one thing to just lie, but it's another thing to conspire. How is it that the two of you conspired against the Holy Ghost to lie to the Holy Spirit? The same feet that carried... Your husband out and buried him are going to carry you out. And here comes the youth ministry. Here comes the youth. And she falls dead and they carry her out and bury her next to her husband. And what happened next? What did the Bible say happened next? Great fear came upon the people. Not, not terror fear, respect. Great fear or respect for what? For the Holy Ghost. You see, one of our problems, people, and the reason there's so much sin in the church, is we don't have any respect for the Holy Ghost. We forget that He's there, and we do things in front of Him that risk happening to us what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. I remind you, that was in the church the same church age, the same age of grace that we're living in. Nothing's changed. In terms of God, God hasn't changed. Jesus hasn't changed. The Holy Spirit hasn't changed. What's right and what's wrong hasn't changed. And we better respect that. We better fear God. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And you can either, you can either operate with the power of the Holy Spirit or you can operate against the power of the Holy Spirit and die. And I believe that in these last days that we're living in, there's going to be a lot of things that have been allowed to happen that are not going to be allowed to happen anymore. I think the blasphemers are going to get blasted. I think the, I think the liars are going to go the way of Ananias and Sapphira. I think the cheats... Those who conspire against God are going to find themselves being carried out feet first. I think there's going to be a division made, a separation made. I think there's going to be people stand up in city council meetings and point their finger at councilmen and say, Thus saith the Lord. And when that councilman sneers and shows disrespect, they're going to die in their councilman's chair. I, I really believe that God is going to teach 
people a lesson. And it's, it's called judgment. And judgment must first come to the house of God. We want the power, but you got to understand, power is dangerous. You just you don't believe it. You just go over there and unscrew one of those light bulbs and stick your finger down in that socket. Doesn't look very dangerous. Doesn't look very powerful. Just, just lighten up that little light bulb. I think that's like a 15 watt bulb. If you pull that bulb out and stick your thumb down in there, you're gonna feel the power. And you know, I think you know. You know, we've gone through a time and a period in the church where people come in contact with the power of the Holy Ghost and they go out on the floor. They go down. But I think, they're, you know, in a little bit, you know, they get back up. But I think we're coming to a day when people are going to go down and they're not going to get back up because they are liars and they are uh, disobedient to the Holy Spirit and they don't respect or fear God. And and those days are coming. Those days are coming. And I don't want to be on. I, I, I think a lot of times the reason people go down is they're not flowing with the Spirit. If you're flowing with the Spirit, you're not going to have this uh, reaction like that. But if you're not, if if you're not flowing with the Spirit, when you come in contact with the Spirit, your flesh just goes out, man. It just you can't handle it. So, you know, it may not be a sign of true spirituality for you to go down. It may be the sign you're a rebel and you're coming contrary to the Holy Ghost. And He's knocking you down because, because what's in you is, is, is in opposition to Him. Remember that next time some high-powered evangelist comes along and, and you know, wants to push you down. Thank you. Amen. Now I've gone down. I've I've gone down. I've gone down in the power of the Spirit. Uh, I was raised in the Assembly of God Church. We had moves of the Spirit, and uh, I remember one time we had this long line, prayer line, and uh, the evangelist, the visiting evangelist, was going down the line, praying for people, and everybody was going out, pow, 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 and we didn't have catchers. We didn't know about that yet. And so, you know, they just go pow, kapow, kapow. They got to me, nothing happened. I'm just standing there. Nothing happened. And they went down the line. Everybody went down except me. I'm standing there with my head sticking out. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with me? You know. Well, then a few weeks later, after the evangelist left, the pastor, he... He called for us to come down, stand at the front. He's praying for people. He's down on the other end. He's praying for people. Nobody's going down because they, they only go down when the, when the evangelist is. They don't go down when the pastor prays for them. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. There's something wrong with churches like that. Okay. And uh, anyway, he, he's praying for people. Nobody goes down. He comes to me. He touches me on the forehead. I go, kaplow! He goes, he finishes praying for everybody. I'm the only one that went down. And I was determined not to. Right, fast forward about thirty-five years. I went out. I went out in the spirit again. Maybe in the last fifty years, I've gone down on the floor twice, maybe three times. And I've I've often thought, what in the world is wrong with me? Everybody else, man, you know, they're you don't even, the preacher don't even have to touch them. They just boom. I'm just standing there. What's the deal? I was over at uh, at the River Church one night. Heather and I went. Rodney Howard Brown was there, and uh, I like Rodney Howard Brown. So I went over there, and uh, the reason I like him is he is he is he he is absolutely and totally bonkers over winning souls. His passion is winning souls. I love that, and. Uh, so he called for all the people that were in the ministry to come forward. And man, there was about 30 people went forward. And of course, I'm in the ministry and I'm sitting on the front row and uh, everybody's looking at me. So yeah, I, I went up there. You know. <laughs> and so he's going down the line, laying hands on people, and he'd go, fire! And they would go, kapow! Right on the floor. No catchers. 
And he's going down the line and everybody's going, kapow, 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 kapow. He gets to me. He says, who are you? What are you doing here? How long have you been in Jacksonville? I said, 20 years. He said, he said, um, I forget what all he said. He said, do what you came here to do. And he just went, he never prayed for me, never touched me. And so, uh, time he got through, you know, I'm standing there and everybody's laying down but me. I said, Lord, what is wrong with me? Well, you know what? Maybe, maybe it's what's wrong with them. You know, I'm on the team. I'm on the team. Me and the Holy Ghost that's doing the work is in me. I'm on the team. And, and so I'm supposed to be there ready to minister to people. I'm supposed to be there ready to, uh, you know, uh, to jump into action whenever the Spirit of God, uh, calls me to. I'm not supposed to be laying down. I'm supposed to be laying down on the floor. I'm supposed to, I'm part of the team. I'm part of the ministry team. And so are you. Now there's nothing wrong with you falling out in the Spirit. We got carpet up here for that. We even have catchers once in a while. It's kind of funny because our catchers have back problems. You know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, we need to get somebody up there that's got a good back. You know, but uh, uh, why am I saying all this? I'm, I'm saying this because you need to be flowing with the Holy Spirit and not against it. And we need to be fanning the flames of the fire that He's put in us. Whatever it takes to get your fire going, you need to do it. You need to feel responsibility to do it for yourself. Building up your most holy faith, what? Praying in the Holy Ghost. You need to pray. You need to stoke the fire. You need to add fuel to the fire. You need to do everything you can to get get the fire of the Holy Spirit rekindled in your life. Amen? Amen. And I'm going to talk some more about the Holy Spirit next week, but we'll we'll stop here.